If you are human, chances are you have experienced brokenness of some sort. If you are human, you have been hurt or you have been betrayed or you have been inflicted pain upon. Brokenness is an unavoidable part of the human experience and none of us are exempt from this. Um, I have a 10 and a half month year old son. He's our first baby boy and I love him to death. And part of me as a parent, you know, I didn't really understand this growing up. My, I felt my parents were overbearing, but I get it now because I want to shield my little guy from all the hurt and all the pain in the world. I never want his heart to be broken. I never want his friends to make fun of him. I never want him to experience the kind of pain that I've experienced in my life. But no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, it is inevitable that he will experience pain and brokenness at some point in his life. And it just grieves my heart. Parents, you understand, right? It's just part of life. You can't get through life unscathed. It's part of the human experience to experience brokenness. Now, I love this definition of brokenness because I think it's holistic. Brokenness is the sin that happens to us, the sin that happens around us, and the sin that happens through us. Let me say that again. Brokenness, the way I define it, is the sin that happens to us, the sin that happens around us, and the sin that happens through us. The sin that happens to us. It's the pain we've experienced that's been caused by others, the damaging words spoken over us, the ways we've been rejected or betrayed or made fun of or left out. It's the ways that others have hurt us. The sin that happens around us, it's just the circumstantial things that break our hearts, right? The loss of a loved one, the trauma we repeatedly experience on the news again and again and again, times of economic hardship. So it's just things that are happening around us that cause us to feel brokenness. And the last, the sin that happens through us. If you've been hurt before, chances are you've hurt others before. If you have not hurt anyone before, then you are a saint and we need to learn from you. But chances are sin has also come through you. It's the ways that we've hurt others, the ways we've let our loved ones down, the ways we've lied and manipulated to get ahead, the ways we've lost our patience with those closest to us. So this is a really sad message. You can't escape brokenness. It's an inevitable part of life. So then what are we talking about here? The thing I want to talk about for the rest of my time is what do we do with this brokenness? If brokenness is an inevitable part of the human experience, what do we do with all this pain? The pain that's been inflicted to us, the pain that happens around us, the pain that we've caused others. What do we do with this brokenness and how do we heal from it? And we're going to look to scripture in James 5.16, the apostle Paul in the MSG version, for those of you who don't know, I'm Asian, so I love MSG, holla. And so we're going to read from the MSG version, James 5, 16. This is what Paul says. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. He's saying confess your sins so that you could live whole and and healed. Now, if you grew up in youth group like me, chances are when you heard this passage, it was just to get you to confess your deepest, darkest sins, right? It, it was kind of like an encouragement to share all the ways that you've messed up and all the ways that you failed and all the ways that you've let God down and let others down. But if we expand our understanding of brokenness and sin to the, the definition that I shared earlier, we can interpret this to mean not only confessing the sins that we've committed, but also confessing 
sins that have been done to us and sins that have done, been done around us that have affected us. In other words, confess your brokenness to each other, the sins that have happened to you, around you, and through you. I don't think we've ever looked at this passage in that lens. To confess to one another when you've been hurt. Not just when you've done something bad or wrong, but to confess to someone when you've been hurt, when you're experiencing brokenness, when you're in pain, so that you can live together whole and healed. Hear me, church. There's a healing that can only come when we invite others into our brokenness and pain. Can I get an amen? In other words, we, the reason why God put us here on this earth with people around us is not just so we can keep messing each other up. But because we cause each other pain, we are also the source for one another's healings. The very thing that broke us is the thing that God uses to heal and to redeem us. And so when you look to your neighbor, when you look to the person on your left and your right, and you're sharing about your vulnerabilities, this is the way, a means through which God can bring healing to our souls that we can not, uh, not ex- experience any other way, not by ourselves, not in prayer alone, but with others. When we invite others into our weakness. Pastor John Ortberg, he says, the strangest thing happens when what we have most wanted to conceal is brought into the open. We don't die. Instead, we often begin to heal. This is called vulnerability. But we as humans, we hate vulnerability, don't we? We hate showing people our weakness, our frailty, our shortcomings, and our failure. We hate the idea of people seeing through us. I share this story often because it has traumatized me. But in Korea, we have these bathhouses called chimjibangs. And basically what you do is they divide up genders and you go into the bath spa area, but you go in buck naked. But in Korean culture, it's nothing, right? Everyone's just naked. And so I remember the first time I did it, I took off all my clothes and I walked into the steamy room with old Korean Korean men. And everyone looked, it, I swear, it felt like everyone looked at me right when I walked in. And I could feel each of their eyes burn holes through my entire body, see every imperfection, every freckle where it shouldn't be, everything. And I just felt so vulnerable, so naked, and I hated it. And I think it, the same goes for all of us. We hate to be seen. We hate when people can see through us, when they can see our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our failures, and our frailties. So what do we do? We hide our brokenness. We conceal. We try to go about healing on our own. We avoid the pain that's inside of us. But what ends up happening is we never end up healing. We just end up avoiding or concealing the very thing that God wants to bring into the light to heal. And so we feel disconnected But not only just from the hard and the painful stuff, when we close our hearts off, we also close it off to the good stuff as well. C.S. Lewis has this phenomenal quote. It's a little long, but please bear with me. This this sage in the faith, C.S. Lewis, he has this to say about this very concept. He says, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. That's real. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. 
the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. What's he saying? Is we, we have the option to lock away our heart so that we don't experience pain or brokenness, but we also lock ourselves out of all the things, the good things that God wants us to feel and experience. In other words, if we close off our hearts, that is not the answer. There is a better way, and it's this way, that when we do experience brokenness, we learn to be vulnerable and receive healing from the people that God has placed around us. Thomas Beckingham, who has a lot to say about this, he says, at some point, the two worlds of who we pretend to be and who we really must collide. It is, however, better to let those two worlds collide rather than everything snap under the tension of keeping them apart. And if you've ever experienced hiding how you're feeling, how, just hiding the fact that you're not okay, you know that there's this tension raging on inside of you, and eventually you snap. But the way that we're called to live is with our brokenness and with the people that we love and trust and feel safe and and trusted with, we share them so that we can heal together. The thing about vulnerability is we often admire vulnerability in others, but we're terrified and ashamed and embarrassed of it inside of ourselves, isn't it? So like, we'll hear Alex come up here in a minute and share and bear his heart. We're like, that's so courageous, Alex. That's amazing. We love you. But the thought of us coming up and sharing our stories of brokenness and pain, we feel like, oh, people are going to judge me and think I'm weak. People are going to think I'm less than. People are going to think I got so many problems. We often admire the vulnerability in others, but we despise it within ourselves. There's something backwards about that. That's the lie of the enemy. See, while the world treats weakness and failure as a liability, God sees our weakness and our vulnerability as a gift as a means towards healing. That's why in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, the apostle Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You ever grow up hearing a Bible verse and you think, that sounds kind of cool, but that's BS. This was that for me. What do you mean for when I am weak, then I am strong? When I'm weak, I'm weak, okay? That does not make sense to me, but I love in this context, when we learn to share our weakness and bring it before God, when we learn to share our weakness with the people around us, we're actually made stronger. If you've ever experienced sharing your brokenness with someone who responds in empathy, you know that it's not a sign of weakness. It actually makes you stronger. It actually takes courage. It actually brings about healing and change and trust transformation. We need one another. And what it requires is for us to take the step of courage to be vulnerable. You know, early in my Christian life, I thought that God wanted to heal all of my weaknesses and shortcomings. But this might rock your theology, but I don't think that's the case. I actually think that God allows us to carry some of our weaknesses and frailties through life, not to afflict us, but as a gift a gift unto others, a gift 
unto ourselves so that we can bring about healing. I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, I didn't have the best relationship with my dad. I love my dad right now. I'm so glad God healed that relationship. But when I was growing up, I was an angsty teenager. I was like, F you, dad. I don't want to be anything like you. I'm leaving home. I actually tried to run away once at seven years old, lasted for five hours, got hungry, came back home. Does not work. But the reason why I was so mad at my dad is because he was out working throughout the entire day, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., providing for our family. That was the way he chose to love us. I just couldn't see it at the time as a kid. And most of us, maybe many of you have that story if you grew up in an immigrant family. And I remember I was so mad, and I held this bitterness and this rage and this angst and this anger towards my dad. And I got to a point in college where I tried to move on from it. I tried to heal from it. I prayed a lot. I even, you know, I tried fasting. I tried everything that I could. I read scripture. I read book after book about healing. But for some reason, I just could not let go. I could not heal. I could not move on. I could not forgive. But you know where the breakthrough moment was? It was when I invited other people into my, into my struggle and into my brokenness. There was one day I was with a close group of my friends. My wife was part of that group. And we sat together in a circle, and we were trying to pray. But the prayer meeting was so whack. It was so boring. I wanted to get out of there. And it was just we felt like we were hitting a wall. But all of a sudden, I felt like God say, share your brokenness. And so I shared, I'm struggling with unforgiveness and bitterness towards my dad. And the prayer meeting went from zero to through the roof on fire. It was fire after that. All of a sudden, tears were shed. There was a tenderness in the atmosphere. And I experienced a healing in that moment that I did not experience for months and years trying to do it on my own. Two weeks later, I actually sat with my dad and shared my brokenness. And we had this tender moment in our family where God began to heal the wounds of our broken relationship. That is the power of vulnerability. And if that doesn't convince you, Jesus, he practiced this. In his most vulnerable moment, moments before he went to the cross to suffer and to die, you know what he chose to do? He didn't choose to go off alone and pray and cry out to his father. He gathered some of his closest disciples said, can you come pray with me? Think about that for a moment. The savior of the world, the Messiah, the person we all look up to needed his friends in the hour of, of brokenness and pain. And he said, come pray with me. They fell asleep. Don't do that to your friends, okay, y'all? But it shows that we were designed to not hoard or to hold the brokenness inside of us alone, but to share it with those around us. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you in this very short sermonette this morning is to practice vulnerability daily in the little and in the big ways. This doesn't mean, you know, you just find someone after service that you just met. Hey, I met you for the first time. This is what I'm going through. And just sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. That's not what I'm telling you to do. There are little ways we could practice vulnerability, and there are big ways. Maybe the big ways is calling up a friend and say, hey, I'm going through this. I don't want to go through it alone. But maybe the smaller ways, it's something not so big or not so intimidating. Maybe it's simply saying, hey, can we go out to eat? I'm kind of nervous to eat with you for the first time or get to know you, but I just want to put myself out there. Maybe it's um, asking that person out on a date that you've been thinking about asking for a while. I'm talking to some of y'all, y'all thinking about that. But whatever it might be, the little ways that we could practice vulnerability, keep our heart open and tender for what God wants to do through it, the healing that God wants to bring around it. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to shut up now, and I'm going to create a space where we have someone in our, in our midst who's going to practice this vulnerability. And you know, one of my favorite testimonies from the last baptism we did was you know, no one remembered Easter. The Easter sermon is supposed to be the hottest sermon of the year. No one remembers a single thing I said, 
But everyone remembers Seabell's story. When she came up before she got baptized and she shared her story, people were so impacted. We could see the waves of healing and breakthrough just weave across the room as she was just bearing her heart. And I think there's something powerful when vulnerability happens in the gathering place of God, where it just opens up the atmosphere for us to experience healing, experience God, and feel God in a new, tangible, and relevant way. And so we're going to create space for Alex to come up and share his story. And I believe there's breakthrough for some of us. There's healing for some of us as he shares the ways that God has healed him, the ways that God has delivered him and led him in his journey. But before we do that, I want to read this final quote by Brene Brown, who has a lot to say. If you want to dive deeper into this, just look up Brene Brown. Dr. Brene Brown has a lot to share about feelings and vulnerability. But she says this, Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy, the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light.